on guard. Pray. Ale. Welcome to the Tokyo 2020 Fencing Podcast. It's episode 20. We've made it to 20 episodes. I'm Karen Bashir and joining me, the biggest fencing geek of the lot, international referee Dave Baker. Hey, Bash, how you doing? I'm good, mate. I'm good, mate. Uh, listen, um, I, I figured, seeing as we've already done four podcasts, uh, this very evening, in fact, uh, I need to cut down my editing time. So how do you fancy uh, doing the Grand Prix in Montreal, the Sabre Grand Prix in Montreal, in one? We'll do both the, the women's and the men's events. Oh, we're, we're deviating from tradition, Bash, but just this once, I'll let you have it. Thank you, mate. Thank you. Uh, well, as I said, we're focused on Sabre. Uh, it was the Montreal Grand Prix, the first Grand Prix of 2020 for the Sabreurs. In fact, the first Grand Prix of 2020. And I've got to make a quick note before we get tucked into things, Dave. I think 2020 bodes well for the sport of fencing. And here's why. We have the Olympic Games coming up in Tokyo. Yep. And we start our Grand Prix in Montreal. Montreal is an Olympic city. It hosted the 1976 Summer Olympic Games. And there, the current president of the IOC, uh, Mr. Thomas Back, won a gold medal in men's team foil. Fantastic. How about that for a tenuous link to how uh, good it is? Yeah. um, First first Grand Prix in Montreal in, uh, in 10 years, I think, as well. I think I was there in 2010 for the last one, so... Um, yeah, it was it was brilliant as well. They did a great job. Uh, Jan Bertrand uh, ran a fantastic show. Given the fact they only had ten weeks to set it all up, it was quite superb. Good on And I hope it's there next year. Uh, but let's start with the uh, women's sabre. Um, okay, so only individual events at uh, a Grand Prix tournament. But I think it's worth just noting that who's in the team qualification spots at the moment. It's Russia, Korea, France, and Italy with the automatic spots, and Hungary. China, USA, and Tunisia with the zonal spots. Going into the competition, the individual places, well, the two European spots were with Karlan of Ukraine and Pascu of Romania. Pan American spot with Page of Canada. The two Asian spots with Tamura of Japan and Bhavani Devi of India. And the African spot with Montessor of Egypt. In uh, Montreal itself, in the individual tournament, Carland won it and she was just supreme. She is the best fencer on the circuit at the moment. Uh, she took Nikotina out, the Russian, in the final. Nikotina picking up silver, obviously. And the two bronze medals went to Lombach of France and Shao of China. So, Dave, let's start with the easy one. Carland leading uh, individual qualification, but obviously uh, leading the European race as well. Coming first, she's opened up the gap. Uh, Bianca Pascu made the 64, uh, and she still holds on to that individual uh, second spot for the Europeans. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, Olga, world number one, world champion, winner in Montreal, yeah, has to be there. And one way or another, whether the Ukraine team gets up or not, she'll be at the Olympic Games. Um I think what was interesting is uh, Gontura made made up some ground. Um, yeah. So um, made the thirty two, uh, whereas Pascu only they say only made the made the sixty four. So the gap there is only only two points. Um, but uh, what I'd note as well is that um, that both both Pascu and Gontura have got uh, a fifth result of three points. So they have to score more than three to um, uh, to get uh, to get an improvement. 
Uh, and given they've got no more GPs left, um, means a 64 doesn't earn them any points and a 32 would only earn them one point. So Guntura actually needs two 32s without Pascu doing anything to catch Pascu. It's not as simple as just getting two points from, um, you know, two 96s, for example. But Pascu didn't have the best time uh, in Montreal. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, lost to, uh, I'm sure you'll, you'll bring this up uh, later on, but lost to uh, a French uh, French uh, girl, but not not one you'd expect, Sarah Balzer. And I don't think it was the only match she won uh, that day. No, it certainly wasn't, but we'll, we will come back to that. Um, but you say uh, Teodoro Contura uh, from Greece uh, making the 32, one round ahead of Pascu. Uh, Navarro only making the sixty-four. She was also in the in the hunt. Uh, look, if you think Gunturas uh, put herself out of the running, then so's uh, Arathelia Navarro, right? Yeah, I mean, the, this is the problem: is you know, no GPs left, and you know, just a couple of World Cups left means that there are just fewer opportunities to score points. Um, so, yeah, really, uh, difference is now thirty. Five points plus three mm. points for the fifth, so it's thirty-eight points. You know that's 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 like two bronze medals. And you know Navarra's strong fencer. Don't get me wrong, but that's hard work. Yeah, uh, interesting. All right, well, look before we move on to another zone, I just want to make note of the fact there was a reason why I mentioned the the team standings, uh, and that is because of the fact that Hungary are in a race with Ukraine for the additional zonal spot, well, currently for the additional zonal spot for for Europe. And that's by no means done. And I'm sure that Carlan will want her and her teammates to qualify by team, uh, two more World Cups to go. So should they do that, then the results from uh, Pushtai and Marton are worth bearing in mind. Pushtai getting a, well, both of them getting a 16, Pushtai 12th and Marton 13th. Should Karlan qualify with the Ukrainian team, that means, if, if I'm right here, looking at your spreadsheets, Marton would currently be the leading uh, European fencer. Yeah, absolutely. And the same issue with uh, Pushtai being nine points plus four. Um behind Marton with only two competitions to go. That's a lot of points. That's, you know, expecting a last eight or better from, from Pushtai without Marton improving. So, yeah, Marton would be, uh, uh, yeah, would be would be an absolute favourite. Uh, right, so either, either way, as you, as you pointed out, Carlin's going to either qualify by team with Ukraine or she's going to qualify through the individual route because there's absolutely no one that can catch her. Um, but... You've got to say Bianca Pascu's probably in a pretty good spot as well because even if uh, Ukraine overtake Hungary, Pascu sits between the two Hungarians. Yep. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, both um, – yeah, definitely Pascu. Um, you'd think either way looks pretty good. Um, and I guess you've also got this uh, this question is do Tunisia make uh, – um, uh, do, do they make the top 16 in teams and then we've got a bonus place available – um, yeah. And then, then we don't ha- then we don't need to have such a complicated conversation. Comes much more simple. 
Very, very good point. Well, look, uh, that's kind of Europe done. I've got a couple of questions for you, but I'll wait till the end. Um, let's move on to Asia. Uh, Tamura and uh, Bhavani Devi. Bhavani Devi uh, is going to make history. She's going to be the first Indian fencer in the Olympic Games. Uh, she didn't do great uh, in Montreal. She went out um, before the round of 64. First time in three competitions she's done that. Perhaps feeling a little bit of pressure, yeah. uh, but looking very strong because the race for the other spot is an all-Japanese race. Tamura made uh, the 32, uh, but she has got some competition. Yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, Emura is um, yeah 10 points uh, behind her and also slightly... Uh, Slightly further away, so ten and a half points is Fukushima, um, but it's say two competitions to go and only World Cups. Uh, that's a lot. That's a lot of ground to catch up. So um, uh, yeah, Tamura, I'd say, is favourite there. And the question would be: Is would Japan use some of their zonal placements on women's saber? Mm. And I think that's a debate that we would have. So are they all racing for a spot there, even if they can't overtake Tamura? But a uh, great story with Bhavani Devi Absolutely. Uh, unfolding. I'm going to have to learn how to say her full name before uh, <laughs> I go and comp- commentate for the Olympic Broadcast Service in Tokyo in a few months' time. Um, sorry, sorry. What yeah. was that? What was that bash? Sorry, I missed that. Did you uh, Did you I, just drop Did you just drop something there? I missed that. No, I didn't. I didn't drop anything. I, I, I just said I'm going to have to learn her name. Uh, there you go. Um, so uh, moving on to uh, the Pan American zone very swiftly. Uh, Gabriella Page came in uh, to the competition leading that race and she got a 64. Uh, chasing pack includes Perez Maurice. She also got a 64. Is Page starting to look comfortable now? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. No question. Um, again, this is a similar similar situation, or maybe more pronounced than than, than the Japanese uh, fight for for the um, for the Asian uh, first zonal place. Page is eleven points ahead. Um, it just doesn't feel like there's enough competitions left. I mean, we're looking like a last mm-hmm. eight, uh, and that would be yeah. Again, nothing's impossible, but it would be very improbable. So. Yep. Big, I big result it would have to be. Yep. So I think, uh, yeah, uh, Perez-Maurice is probably going to have to uh, have to do it in the zonal qualifying competition. Yes, yes. There, there is, of course, that coming up after qualification finishes. Uh, so Pan Am looking good for uh, Gabriel, Gabriel Page. So Africa, an interesting one, uh, sort of, he says, trying to make a bit of a story out of this. Uh, Noah Montessar went into the competition um, in, in the one additional individual spot for an African zonal fencer but she wasn't there I alluded to the fact that it was 10 well I said it was uh, just 10 weeks for the organizers in Montreal to sort out the competition and the fact that it was so short by the time the athletes were uh, given notification Montserrat didn't have time to get a visa yeah that's a bit of a shame isn't it it leaves a bit of a bad taste in the mouth um I mean uh, I mean at least at this point she's I, mean, I guess it's it's really only Egyptian fencers competing mm. for that Asian place, especially with Tunisia, um, uh, you know, qualified as a team event. But you know, she's out of the running. If um, you know, if Tunisia drop out of the team places, then she's no longer directly qualified and would have to go to the uh, zone of qualifier. So, yeah, not a very nice situation, to be honest. No, not not great for them. And in fact, um, hats off to Medat Al Bakri, the Egyptian referee. He had one heck of a journey. He arrived uh, at the hotel 
around about 7.15, 7.30 in the morning of the first round of 64 matches. He missed the qualification. Uh, he managed to get a visa somehow, um, and he landed in Vienna expecting to catch a direct plane from Vienna to Montreal, only to find out his plane had been cancelled. He had to take a hop inside Europe and then took a hop into the USA before finally making it over into... Uh, in fact, he might have had to hop over to Toronto and then uh, catch a plane to um, oh, to Montreal. Still arrived with a big smile on his yeah, face. Well done. Medat's a hero. He's a great guy. <laughs> Good lad. Um, so, look, that's uh, that's our, our, our summary of uh, the situation after the Montreal Grand Prix. Uh, the, the qualifiers at the moment for Europe, Carlan and Pascu. For Asia, Tamura and Bavani Devi. For Pan Am, it's Page. And for Africa, it's still Monster. But two things. Let's deal with the, the quick one first because I don't want to make any further comment and I'm not going to ask you to make one uh, but Sofia Velakaya the world number two uh, and the silver medalist from the world championships was not in Montreal question mark over why but I just want to make sure that everyone knows she wasn't there and that's why we haven't seen her or mentioned her but you said about Sarah Bowser great competition for her looks like she's fully recovered from a fairly long-term injury do you think she's got a chance of making a late run for the French team, Dave? Yeah, I guess you've seen more women's sabre, and I say especially in the context of women's sabre teams than I have. Um, certainly on the rankings, she's the fifth um, French fencer, but again, as I say, that's that's due to you know a, a bit of a layoff for injury. Um, I mean, if you can make eighth at a World Cup, you're clearly you know clearly a quality fencer. Um, it's just how did how does that French team um, uh, you know how do they how do they balance it? And I think I mean you were in Orléans, you would have seen them, you would have seen them firsthand. Um, mm. The question is, it's not just you know, it's not just you know, obviously with team events, um, it's not just you know your individual strengths. It's you know, it's clearly how well does the team work, um, and are they would they be keen to keep the team together for dynamics? Does she bring something a bit different? I mean, I'm quite used to seeing Brené, Bellet, uh, Quiroli, right? That that um, uh, keeping, you know, that uh, keeping that French team, keeping that French team going um, mm. with Lemback, obviously as well. Um, you know, is there room for her? You've seen a bit more than I have. I, I think I think it's uh, better Brené and Lemback as the three. Um, don't know whether Bowser's going to get a chance in the, the last two World Cups. It'd be interesting to see if she does. And the other interesting thing, I believe there were nine French fencers in the 64 in Montreal. Mm. Five of them were in the same quarter. Not the same half. They were in the same oh, five in the same quarter. And Bowser managed to avoid that. Uh, but she put in some pretty strong performances, taking out Pascu, as you said, and then Mikhailova of Russia, uh, before beating uh, 2018 world champion Sofia Pozniakova, so I think if she's going to have any say, yeah. uh, she, you know she's she's got some good individual results. But like you say, team dynamic, and that the other point I was going to make about the team dynamic is the French team have a very good core of fences. They all train well together. They're all part of a unit that are are part of a squad that have the same goal, and. I, I, I'm interested to see whether we see Bowser tried out on the team in either Athens or St. Nicholas. Yeah, they, that's what that's really what we'll be looking for, isn't it? Is, is you know, do they do they uh, 
do they swap in and out Coroli for, for Bowser and, and give it a trial? And, you know, once they know that they're qualified for sure, do they give yeah, it a run? Yeah. And, and then possibly even after the qualification season, you know, what do they do? Um, yes, yeah, of course. They've got the time to make that decision. Of course, they've been using Nutria as well. So it's mm. it's, uh, it's all open doors. But anyway, final furlong, Dave. Final furlong for this uh, mammoth uh, weekend of fencing uh, to start 2020. We move on to the men's sabre competition. Again, no team event, but just so you know, the qualified teams provisionally uh, in the automatic spots, Korea, Hungary, Italy and Germany. And in the zonal spots, it's Russia, Iran, USA and Egypt. Going into the tournament uh, in the individual qualifying places, the two European spots were with uh, Apathy of France and Bazadze of Georgia. The two Asian spots with Wang of China and Yoshida of Japan. The African spot with Fares Fajani of Tunisia and the Pan Am spot with Gordon of Canada. In uh, Montreal itself, well... Apatie had a flyer. He won the competition, beating Luca Caratelli of Italy in the final. Bazadze got bronze along with another Italian, Luigi Samele. Uh, look, let's let's go easy. Uh, let's go easy again with Europe. Apatie and Bazadze in the two spots going in, coming first and third respectively. All they've done is increase their lead on the chasing pack. Uh, so one question, Dave, is Tokyo twenty twenty now? gone for Vincent and Stet of France. Oh, it's pretty tough when your teammate wins a couple of GPs in the season, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you... Uh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's... Uh, I mean, what else do you say? Yes, absolutely. Apathy's going to the Olympic Games, um, wins two GPs. And I, what I like as well is that he bounced back after, you know, Shocking worlds, right? Went out in the mm. first round um, and, you know, had a really tough start to the season. You know, didn't do well at the Seoul GP, but then came back hard. Moscow GP won and, you know, has now doubled down with, you know, a win in Montreal. That's what you got to do. Um, that's what class fences do. Um, so, yeah, that's it. And it's tough for, for Anstert, but... Um, I don't know what else to say. That's um... no, I, I'm with you. I mean, I, I, Vincent Anstet is a really top guy, and uh, you know, I, I feel for him. He works really hard, and um, it's mathematically, I believe it's it's still possible, but it's going to have to be him getting some good results and uh, Apathy. Well, I guess uh, getting. I guess Bash. The other way to think about it is that the French need to sort their team out. Um, well, there there is that as well. Yeah, I mean, we've got um, you know, still still. A number of team matches. I actually hadn't realised until I was looking at the calendar just now. We've still got three team events left for men's sabre, so there mm-hmm. is a long way to go. And you know, if you actually have someone, you know, you've got two, clearly two fences as strong as they are. Um, there's no reason why that team shouldn't be challenging um, to to make uh, to to make the European places. So maybe that's the way around it. Well, we shall see. Uh, perhaps there is a glimmer of hope for Vincent Anstep, but uh, only through the team route. The only other thing to mention about the European side of things, uh, and uh, just to doff my hat, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, Dave, um, I got the news that Tiberia Donia Chanu uh, of Romania has decided, despite 
being in the race for an individual qualification spot, um, he's decided to hang up his sabres and retire. He won't be uh, at the remaining qualifying competitions. Oh, that's a shame. He's been an, he's been an absolute institution. Um, he was on my spreadsheets four years ago. Um, uh, it's, uh, again, I, it's, uh, I think it just shows that how, um, how competitive the European race is. Um, mm. And if you do have, you know, a French fence or a French team not qualified, and then Sandro Badadzi doing very well, great bronze medal for him, as you said. Um, you know, if you're doing one last time, and clearly money's a factor, or time and your career's a factor. Um, you know, I mean, he's twenty. Tibu is twenty uh, third in the world. It's not like he's had a bad season, but yeah, no. he's, he's just he's just a, just too far off the pace. Yeah. Well, well done to him for giving us uh, such entertainment over the years. Um, we have to swiftly move on. Let's get uh, Africa and the Pan Am spot sorted out because uh, there's a little bit more to talk about with the Asian spot. Uh, Faraz Fajani uh, was in the uh, African zonal spot going into the competition, made the 64. He's done enough, hasn't he? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's for sure. Um, and even even with Egypt in the uh, in the qualified teams, he is. Uh, he is a long way ahead, um, comfortably, comfortably the best African fencer. Um, he, he will go to the Olympic Games. Okay, so that's simple. Uh, Pan Am, uh, Charles Gordon of Canada, uh, having a flyer this season, doing really, really well. Uh, didn't make the 64 in Montreal, but his teammate, uh, Joseph Polisifakis, did. In fact, he, he made the 32. Is he still too far away? Uh, probably. So the gap's 22 points. Um, so that means that three competitions to go, it's sort of needing to be making three 16s mm. in three competitions. So, you know, intuitively, you know, you never, you never say, you know, things are impossible, but... Um, You'd say, you know, in the realms of possibility, it's it's, it's not very helpful that. So uh, I'd say great again, great result for Plus Fac as he, you know, twenty sixteen Olympian, uh, stalwart of Canadian uh, men's saber. Um, just to, you know, say his compatriot Charles Gordon just had the most phenomenal season. Um, I think sixteen at Worlds was it, or an eight at Worlds? Mm. Um, just a whole bunch of points, and um, just just been better across the course of the season. So. Yeah, I think um, I think that's sewn up, really. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we move on to Asia. Uh, Wang of China and Yoshida of Japan came into the event uh, holding the two uh, Asian individual spots. Uh, Wang got seventy uh, second position, didn't make the sixty four. But Yoshida, well, he was uh, in the hundred and twenties, if I remember correctly. And the thing for him is, or for both of them, in fact. Um, Al Shamlan of Kuwait uh, could put himself uh, in the history books himself. He finished in the 32, 23rd position, and Ishida might be looking at, over his shoulder at Shimamura, who also made the 64. Dave, discuss. Yeah, it's actually not even, it's not even that, um, for, even for the first Asian place, it's not entirely sewn up. So um, uh, Zhu Yinming, uh, who's now five points behind Wang, did well in the 32. Um, so it's made up some ground there. So that's not impossible. And then, yeah, there's a nice little squabble for this um, second place. So uh, 
you know, Yoshida only had half a point from from his 120th. Uh, Vu from Vietnam, as you alluded to, is now 1.75 points behind. He wasn't in Montreal, so mm. I don't know if that was visa-related or cost-related. Quite possibly. No, yeah. I think visa as well, yeah. So that's not easy. And, and again, if that's the difference between Olympics or not, I will be uh, – it's very sad. Um, uh, El Shaman from Kuwait, um, who uh, the famous uh, Italian – Referee Marco Siesto is looking after that team, um, is uh, looking after El Shamlin there. Um, mm. Five and a half points behind, so that's definitely possible. And then also uh, off the back of a great result in Cairo, Kaito Streets is four and a half points behind. So there's, uh, there's, there's you know, sort of three names in the hat there for that second uh, Asian place. So that's definitely not dead yet. Yeah, I think it's, it's particularly interesting with... Um, well, the, the Chinese battle, but like you say, there's there's nothing confirmed uh, down with uh, Yoshida, and I think that's going to be the one to look at over the next three World Cups as to who is going to uh, get the better of uh, the others. So uh, what, what is coming next, Dave? Oh, good question, Bash. So uh, we are going to do a couple of World Cups um, in both uh, men's and women's sabre because we're all out of GPs. Uh, the men have got to get one in before uh, before the women do because they've got three to go. So the men are going to Warsaw in February. Um, and then on the same weekend in March, we're going to go to Padua for the men and Athens for the women. All World Cups with teams. Well, there you go. So just to summarise, after uh, Montreal, the men's Sabre individual qualification spots look like this. Apathy and Bazadze uh, looking strong for Europe. Fajani looking strong for Africa. Gordon, uh, he's looking pretty strong for the Pan Am uh, zone. Uh, Wang and Yoshida currently sit in those spots but are being challenged in the Asian race at the moment. Dave, it's been a packed out weekend. Uh, We get a weekend off uh, next weekend. No senior World Cups or Grand Prix, uh, but the weekend after, I believe we're moving on to Doha. Yeah, absolutely. We get the uh, second of the FAGPs, which will be very interesting for all of those individual uh, uh, rankings. Well, thanks to you as always for your great insight, and thanks to you guys for listening. Uh, we'll be back with a report from the Doha Grand Prix in a couple of weeks' time. Mm-hmm.